Welcome to the X Overland Podcast. At X Overland, we're committed to living a life of adventure and to sharing what we learn in the hopes of inspiring and empowering others to boldly explore the world. Join the conversation as we sit down to share stories of overland travel and vehicle-based adventure with a broad range of compelling guests from around the globe. Everybody, welcome back to the X Overland Podcast. Today, it is just Leah and myself, and we are embracing a whole new idea for an episode. And um, that is a reflection piece, Leah, right? Yeah. You want to expand on, you know, kind of what we have in mind here? Yeah, totally. Um, So Jimmy and I both just got back from relatively exciting trips, um, trips that felt new and um challenging and um thinking back and talking about to each other about you know what made us motivated to go on those trips what were challenges uh, what were successes um and and then uh, then taking the this idea that we have gone through all these conversations with different episodes different podcast episodes and um all the sources of inspiration that we've had over the past couple months um and how those people like helped us to dive into these trips. Um, so that's kind of where this episode came from. Yeah. Piggybacking off of what you were saying, Leah, um, you know, f- for, for me, I, I, I just think, you know, I've been hosting now long enough and you and I have been doing this together now long enough that we've, we've just come across so many useful, but different perspectives when it comes to you know, everything we're talking about in the way of overlanding and vehicle-based recreation and camping. And I, I fundamentally feel like while there is a right and a wrong way to use a recovery strap, meaning you don't ever put a recovery strap on a hitch ball, right? right. Um, thus, you create a giant slingshot and people can get killed. There is a right and a wrong way to do that. But when it comes to something like how you want to set up your galley, totally. uh, you're right. I, I mean, what, even, what, even my mind is blown. Yeah, or picking, p- picking the route, picking a destination. There's no right or wrong thing there. And uh, that was that was a big challenge for me on this trip is I, I originally, early in the year, I bit off a lot. I was like, we're going to Alaska. That's what we're doing. Like, it was something that we as a family have talked about doing and, um, yeah, you like you get to choose. You get to pivot anytime. It, it's it's your choice, right? Yeah. Um, so that was that. Yeah, there is no right or wrong way to do overland travel. Yeah, that that is like the big one of the just big takeaways. And I think back like the episode, a couple of episodes really made that hit home. I think for both of us, um, and that was the episode we did with Gon Durton on elevating camp cooking. And I was Lindbergh and Carissa. And immediately afterward, we did an episode with Courtney and Riley of Ambition Strikes. Mm-hmm. And after Lindbergh and Carissa were on the podcast, man, you and I are going to the store and buying fish sauce and, yeah. you know, this and that. And like, you know, we're, we're going to take our Cali to the next level. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's how to do it. And, 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 and I love what those guys do. But then it's like we got on uh, Courtney and Riley. And when they start talking about their galley, like, you know, she straight like, up goes, I don't like cooking. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, oh, so you don't cook? Like, why do, how will you eat? <laughs> right. Very simple. Doesn't and have to be like, complicated. You can 
be an overlander and not prioritize your cooking. Right. Imagine like, that. I know. It was like a revelation, you know? Well, and, both and of them were because like, like you said, both we both were like, okay, so now we have to like find a recipe to follow on our on our trip and like let's make it complicated and and uh, gourmet. And then the right. next thing you know, I'm cooking mac and cheese and hot dogs, which <laughs> I was very proud of. I've never cooked outside. Like I've done a lot of trips. I've done a lot of things. Um, but by myself, this was a solo trip with me and my kids. I was responsible for feeding other humans. And so boiling water was a big step for me. And I felt very good about that. I love that. And it speaks right to the other part of like why we're doing this podcast. And that right. is because we are fresh back from our own unique adventures. Um, and for, I, I think I'm correct here. I know I'm for myself, I'm correct when I say, you know, that was uh, the biggest, I would say like overland style travel adventure I've had to date, which was on my adventure motorcycle, uh, six nights of camping, seven days of riding, an attempt to get to Overland Expo Pacific Northwest that failed. Um, and for you, would you say like what you did was uniquely like a new challenge? Yeah. Um, it wasn't the longest trip that I've ever done. Um, it is one of the longer ones, but not the longest. Um, but the backstory, you know, and I, I actually hemmed a thought about whether or not I wanted to dive into this, but I feel like this is a good episode to talk about my background and my history and where I'm coming from. Um, so a year and a half ago, my husband passed away from cancer and it was, um, it was traumatic and it was as much as I, as much as many people will say like, oh, cancer, like you must've seen that coming or it must've been a long drawn out process. It really wasn't. And it was very shocking. And, um, so I immediately, we had this Alaska trip planned that I alluded to earlier and, um, was like, okay, get in the truck. Like there was multiple points in the last year where I told myself, like, we have the camper, we have, like, I know enough about overlanding, like, we've, Sam and I have done enough together that I knew, I felt, like, empowered, and then ultimately was, like, I've never done this alone with me and my kids. My kids are four and six, seven years old, and um, so for this trip, this is the longest that I have ever been responsible for my own children and myself in a vehicle um, with the hope of, like, not having to get a hotel, <laughs> So yes, those were, those were, those, that was challenging in and of itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you answered my question. I 100% unique challenge for you doing yes. what you did um, yeah. on many, many levels. Yeah. Um, so that is why we wanted to do this podcast also is, is, you know, we were fresh off the, these big adventures and we're just, you know, teeming with brimming with insight and thoughts and and we're connecting a lot of this to podcast guests we've talked to and experiences we've had and it's like man we want to have a conversation with this and share this with listeners share our experience with listeners and uh, we're thinking a lot of you you know could be in very similar places you know trying to whatever your boundary is you're trying to push past um into new territory for adventure exploration um yeah i think that, that our conversation will be relatable oh totally yeah, I think um, no matter where you're coming from, some like you have like either you want to go further or for longer or to a new place. Um, th those are all challenges, and and also like for me as a solo, I'm going to use, use the term solo parent right now. Um, I I come across these challenges of oh well, Sam used to do that. These um, marital roles 
that now I'm responsible for all of them. And I feel like many people are going to run into those challenges. Or maybe I would even say challenge yourself to, if your husband always cooks, maybe it's time for you to do the cooking. Or if your spouse is always the one, you know, picking the destination and the route and um, is navigating for you, like maybe you sit and learn how to use Onyx or uh, pick up an atlas and figure out like, hey, you know, I really want to go to this place. Like, do we have time? Can we make that fit? Um, So those are those are things that I feel like many people can relate to regardless of their situation. And then I know, Jimmy, you said the same thing, like you were so proud of yourself for um, learning like the navigation and navigation on a motorcycle, like an adventure bike. That's a whole different thing. Like, what do you do with your hands? I, I okay. I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to look at a screen. <laughs> I mean, totally. And, and anytime you stop to navigate, you know, it's really hot and you're, I'm yeah. always looking for shade to do that. But, um, you know, to that point, right. So my, my other traveling outfit is uh, a Ram power wagon with a four wheel camper on it. And I've spent years, you know, setting that up and and taking largely good traveling around with my daughter who just turned 18 has grown up and doing her own thing now. But we went on fishing, camping trips all around Montana. I've used it to do some hunting. Anyway, it has given me a kind of false sense of security in the way of my navigation skills because I'm in that cab and it's comfortable and uh, the AC's on and I have a Garmin Overlander and I have a whole book full of giant maps, the gazetteers, right? Mm-hmm. All that stuff. But on the bike, like you say, I mean, you were just exposed. You gotta focus there. on riding the bike. <laughs> you gotta focus on riding the bike, right? Like I think of those Dakar rally racers, like yeah. actually having to navigate off the bike while they go across the desert. Totally. Um, so just a whole nother level of challenge. And absolutely, I, you know, this was, I, hopefully this is something that people might find useful because while I was out there, because I was solo traveling, uh, solo travel, I, I found is is its own unique experience. And j- just by the way, did a podcast yesterday with Sterling Noreen, all about solar adventure travel, and it was so you know fascinating to get his perspective on it. But it's like, you know, you kind of fight a mental a mental kind of emotional battle when you're out there by yourself all the time. It's yeah. nice, but you can get lonely, and you can just need something for your mind to play with. At least I do. And so I started using a scale of zero to ten to evaluate all my skill sets and knowledge base for anything I was doing. I love that. And like, where did you land uh, navigation wise? Well, to that point, (laughs) and uh, believe me, I was trying to be brutally honest with myself, you know, so I wasn't in denial. What uh, grade would I give myself right now? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, so where I landed with navigation, which really surprised me because I thought I had a lot more skills in navigation that I that I ended up having. So I landed on a three. I feel that's very honest. Um, that's a scale of zero through ten again, not zero through five. That's yeah. <laughs> that's where I was. You know, like I and, could find my way a little bit, but like sure, yeah. That, I mean, ahead. it's it's, re- it's really stinking hard. It, I mean, more backstory for for me. Um, I participated in the Rebel Rally twice. Oh my God. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very, really I'm, I'm, what they're doing. I'm not terrible at map and compass navigation. Like give me a map. I know I can read topo lines. I can tell you the heading I can do. And part of me on this trip was like, do I need to get out and get a compass? Like, I don't, und- I don't <laughs> like how silly would that be? I have all of this technology at my fingertips. I've got stacks of atlases. I have Apple CarPlay with Onyx, with Google maps, with Apple maps, whatever you may need. And, uh, and I, but I did choose, I mean, here's another more backstory to this trip. I knew going into it that I wasn't going to pre-plan where I was staying. 
um, I had a, a, a pseudo destination in mind, like a like a national forest. Like I'm going to get to uh, a, a particular national forest on any given day, and then I would figure out where we would camp from there. Um, and I also had the um, the benefit of my goodness. Do you guys know how the sun stays out so dang late when the more you head north? So we had extra time on our hands. And uh, I also told myself, like, worst case scenario, whatever, we'll stay in a hotel. We will stop at a gas station and just pop up. We also have affordable camper. That's what we were using this on this trip. And, like, giving myself the grace to just let it be. Um, but the very first night on my trip, I decided, like, I have used Onyx maps, but not not like not specifically for the point of like I need a safe place to camp tonight and uh so I did and I was like I'm going to do this and you know I I knew that I had a lot of time um a lot of daylight hours ahead of me so that if something were to go wrong I could bail out go get a hotel whatever get closer to a town um but we did it we found this beautiful campsite on this gorgeous back road and nobody was around and the kids loved it I didn't I was like elated, absolutely elated. Like we did, did you this. have this moment at some point? Like this can't be legal. Like I must, I must have made a mistake. I must not be like. I know um, sometimes when I'm on public lands, like hunting or fishing, and and it's just so so good. I'm always like, oh my god, what did I mess? Like up? it's for real. Yeah, this must like, be. Like I must be on someone's back or something. <laughs> well, so and again, I think that's the beauty of Onyx Maps. Like if you know it well enough. Or like you can download the portion of the map that you know you might need. So I did that for myself because I knew I was going to be out of service. And so on on it, you can see um, private property and like forest service land. And so I was using a combination of an atlas, um, like a very like a gazetteer, um, yeah. and then and then in combination with Onyx, so that I could see where I was and where public land and private land met. Um, so I knew that I that wasn't the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it, it just worked out fine. Yeah. So then like, I felt pretty you know, confident. That we my joke aside, like you were yeah. like totally feeling a sense of accomplishment, right? Oh, I, I honestly, I sat down and like cracked my hard seltzer with the kids and I was boiling my water with my mac and cheese. And I'm I am so stinking good at this overlanding stuff. Oh, well, I was on like, this campsite. <laughs> I, did. I did. And I just feel like so many people probably have that same thought of like, well, how do you know where you want to go? Or you want or, or you're like me and you're like, well, I'm just gonna go to Alaska. It's so like like how do you mess that up? It's just it's overwhelming. And so Oh you, you, man. You don't have to I'm so glad we're making this episode. I mean, there's just so many thoughts going through my head, like I'm not even sure where to begin. <laughs> I know. Uh <laughs> I hear I hear you. Right. But it's uh, like I, you know, it reminds me of um uh Rebecca Donaghy. We talked to her and she was like talking about all these crazy adventures that she goes on. And I feel like she had this mentality of, of like, I'm going to plan it as best I can, but I'm then at some point you kind of just have to leave. And, um, and I liked that about her. And so I feel like at some point you have to just go. Um, and I mean, yeah, you have to have a, a relative plan. Like, and, and luckily for like, for me and for you, Jimmy, like I live in, in Arizona, like, Southern Utah is our backyard. And uh, so I knew that it was relatively safe for me to say, I'm going to drive five hours, um, which is the extent that my child, my kids will want to do in the car uh, before we're all going crazy. Um, And say like, okay, from that point, we're going to find a place to camp and call it quits for the day. 
Um, and I think that's a, a reasonable thing for many people to say, like, I'm going to draw this radius around where I live and look to see what's available. And um, yeah, know, Onyx is a great tool for that. So I think there's a luxury we have in the West, like you're saying that there, oh, yeah. there are, if you have a general idea where you're going to land and there's tons of public land, forest service, BLM, like you, you're going to have to find the plate, the place to camp eventually. Like you're going to have to pinpoint it when you get there. But right. there is a, I, I think a understandable presumption that you're going to find something. Whereas some areas of the country, if you don't have it totally. pre-figured out, you're going to be at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay too. <laughs> it, it's yeah. one night. It's one night. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, some exactly. It, it's what you might have to do, right? And yeah. as you try to figure things out, um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm thinking about how stoked you were to find that campsite, like to succeed at that, like a beautiful campsite. You, the kids, you're like, yes, I did this, right? And I'm thinking back to what you were saying about how, hey, if you're used to going as a family, traveling, adventuring, overlanding, or as a team, or as a partnership, whatever. If you want a fresh experience outside of your normal boundaries, switch roles. Yes, 100%. I mean, imagine that, Absolutely. right? It's like someone's all of a sudden, it's like, you have to find us the campsite. I know Clay does that a lot with with team members. You know, he'll just be really? like, and you're and in you charge. Do it. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'll do my best. And I, I think with the resource that, resources that we have, and by we, I mean like just the world in general, um, it's not. It's as complicated as you want to make it. I mean, you you can. I wasn't far from any given town. I I had chosen a road um, that was approximately forty miles long between towns in Utah, um, two very small towns. Um, but I knew that, like, at any point, I could turn around and go back to one of those towns. Um, you know, at other things, like I knew that I had my inreach. So if I did lose cell service, I could automatically send a message and SOS, like I need help. I could. I communicated to my family, my family and told them where I was, and what my plans were. Um, so I tried really hard to take the necessary precautions to make sure that we were safe, um, regardless of what could have gone wrong. Sure. Um, Did you it, have your family tracking you? Did you share the tracking on InReach? So they like every couple hours. You know, I actually learned that from you. Um, <laughs> I feel like you messaged Maybe it might have been a work during my trip. I you were like, yeah, during the trip, like I turned, I turned on this tracking for my wife and I read that message and I said, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah, exactly. I do know, like I have two girl, two close girlfriends in town who since Sam passed, have I, they track me on my iPhone, which mm -hmm. sounds kind of silly, but like we're always yeah. looking out for each other. Um, awesome. And they knew what I was doing but had didn't really know where I was going. So they could have, like, I could have messaged them at some point and been like, can you like search for my phone? So if anyone's listening, he's like, well, wait, wait, what's this tracking thing? So yes, if you have an inReach, uh, get the Garmin EarthMate app, um, mm -hmm. which is free. And then you can use the app to run your inReach, just super easy to do so. And, you know, you can do all this off the inReach, but with the app, it's just super easy. Um, you hit start, you start a track and you share it via email or phone number with whomever you want to share it with and set it to how many, like per hour, how many pings you want it to send out. And hmm. then well, as long as that's on, um, they'll be tracking you and they'll that's be amazing. able to follow your route a little bit. On the motorcycle, I think it's really important because if I fall and yes. get knocked unconscious or something and it's like, whoa, why did the track just stop there? And you know, it's hours later. So gives everyone kind of a breadcrumb trail to find. 
totally. but um, the inreach the inreach brings so much peace of mind for me and i remember when yeah, sam bought it too. and told me what it was and um he started carrying it because he would he'd go all over the world uh alaska all over the united states um mostly for hunting but i there was times where days would go by and i wouldn't hear from him um and it brought so much peace to our family to just have a text message and not just like a pre-programmed message but be able to actually send like a some kind of personality you. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah, um, and been... when you're out there solo, like like I just have uh, it's kind of the adventure plan or something that it gives me a little bit of latitude to communicate with friends and, and family while I'm out there. And it's just, you know, it's like a camp every night just to ping a few people and chit chat a little bit and share my location. It just keeps me socially engaged totally. and kind of keeps the loneliness bug at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm curious now, big picture, we're talking all this navigation stuff. What I, as a rebel rally racer and you know someone who can use a map and compass what would you give yourself overall for a trip like this on your navigation uh zero through ten? Oh boy um well i would say i would give myself a seven and here's why i think um i i was very conscientious about not going too far into the forest or into the backwoods by myself so what I was doing every like basically 24 hours before we needed to be somewhere was looking at a big overview. So I would I like to use gazetteers. I really like paper maps and maybe that's the Rebel Rally navigator in me. I really I enjoy holding something in my hand as opposed to like having to zoom. I don't like on a phone on any app when you zoom out, you lose all of your um, all the detail and then you zoom in. And then I like, but where where was I again in relation to? everywhere else so I like to have both things going on um so I felt like I did a very good job of safely picking places that um you know I was going to take a, a back or like I'm going to get off the interstate I'm going to choose a smaller highway um I'm looking at the national forest um around where I'm headed and getting out of the city limits mm-hmm. and then looking at onyx um for per, you know private land and stuff like that looking at trails um, that like, I, I knew I didn't want to put my truck in a situation where it physically was tested because I, I, I was alone. Right. So like as much as, you know, Sam and I could have fixed a lot of things mechanically with the truck, I also knew like I needed to be safe. So I needed it to be a good dirt road. Um, and then like back roads yeah. enough to be away from other people. Like I wanted that solitude. Um, so for all of those reasons, I feel like I did a very good job. Now, a challenge for the next time would say, like, I want to spend two full nights, you know, three solid days in a national forest or a whatever um, BLM land or whatever it may be um, and, like, not be on a highway, not be in town. Because I kept I kept going back to town, getting cell service, reevaluating my plan for the next day um, and and knowing, like, what, like, and we were traveling too. like my, my goal was to cover a lot of miles on this trip and not just camp for the sake of camping. Oh man. So I mean, yeah. Okay. So seven out of 10, um, I, I'll keep that in mind for your next trip too. be like, okay, you know, what would you, what would you score yourself on this trip? I mean, so we were gone for 13 days and, um, I did, I did a hotel for one night, the very last night. Cause we were wow. just, oh, we were every, good. and then I'd also stayed at a friend's house uh, for three nights so well two different friends houses um but we were camp- we were in the truck so that was kind of fun yeah. um so ultimately we ended up finding five campsites and i'll remove that too 
there was four because we were camping with Andy and Evan from X Overland. Um, and Andy picked out a spot, but that was super fun. And, you know, any night outside in your camper, in your tent, I think counts as, as bonus points. So I'm not just, dis- well, you know, discrediting myself for that. hundred percent. You know, that goes back to what we were getting to earlier, Leah, about how they're, they're really, I mean, for some people, there might be a kind of orthodoxy to how they do these things and fine. You know, I'm not saying like, if that's if you have like a, a rigid rule in your mind like that you want to camp every night find your own campsites like you set up your own challenges for yourself yeah. go for it right but right. there's also this you know habit being flexible when you when you head out to overland style travel like maybe you're staying with a friend in their backyard some nights camping in your rig okay. your other times you're wild camping then you're at a campground when one night, right? Where there are other people around. Then it's like, man, you know, we really need a motel for tonight. We're going to do that. But by mixing it up to meet your needs, I think you can stay out longer and, and be healthier and be thriving Absolutely. more. Totally. And and I think that also like goes into this conversation of like, let's look what X Overland does. Let's look at like what Clay and Rochelle are doing or have done and their vehicles and their, their vehicles are set up for four by four, you know, hard road travel, like staying off grid for as long as possible. Um, and then you talk about these other like world world overlanders, like you're um, even van lifers, people who are in a vehicle that can support them. They're living out of their vehicle, but they're not necessarily looking for the hardest trails or the four by four trails. They're not like, you know, rock crawling right. on the daily or looking whatever. Um, and there's like, I, I feel like it's really hard it's very easy to get caught up in, um, you know, oh, well, you know, look what Sterling Noreen is doing on his bike and I should be doing that. Or I, you know, I look at, um, trying to think of a good example, like even the Walthalls, like in our own, the Walthall family series, like, should I be trying to attempt that by myself right now? I really want to. Yeah. But you have to start somewhere. And I think that these two trips that you and I just did was, were an excellent starting point for the situations that we've been in. And like the challenges that we were willing to take on right now. I just love how we met ourselves where we were at and then tried to move ourselves forward into new territory, you know, developing skills, gaining knowledge and pushing ourselves outside of what we've already known. And I think that's important, right, to understand. It's not like we've never done this stuff before. We're like complete beginners. Um, And in contrast, we've had a lot of experience of adventuring around in vehicles and camping and, you know, being in the outdoors, doing all kinds of things. But it's like unique to the kind of travel we were doing and the circumstances we were doing it in. That was new territory. We were we were challenging ourselves in a way that I, I think helped us find. I, I love I think Rebecca on this one, right, because Rebecca Donahue would like deliberately choose an adventure that she expected to learn things from about herself. Yes. And right. Yeah. And she just returned from the Amazon. She was down there in that canoe adventure paddling the Amazon and uh, that's a wild thing. But it's like the adventures we were on, we were able to look at what we were doing and go, oh, you know, if we were being honest with ourselves and we tried to evaluate what we were doing, it was like, I could improve in this area. Like I found myself very humbled and um, because maybe because I was open to evaluating myself and, you know, just trying to take a hard look at what I was doing well and what I wasn't doing so well and then going, OK, I, I need to improve here. Um, yeah. So why the three in your navigation 
great. I, great I feel like question. I, I feel like you did everything that I did, and I'm like, yeah, I did this. What's the difference? Okay, great question. Um, and I'm just going to throw before I go down this path, like something you said that made me think, yeah, that deserves a seven. Is you were mindful of what you thought your vehicle was capable of, meaning like mechanically you had some doubts about your vehicle. And um, so you didn't go beyond where those doubts were by, by going too far into the backcountry and then going, oh man, like I thought, you know, something isn't right. running here. You kept things to where, you know, you were still somewhat accessible. And I think that's like when you're navigating where you're going to go and why and why not, it's like thinking about what state your vehicle's in, what your vehicle's capable of, what your own skills are, you know, is part of what you choose to do and not do in, mm -hmm. in as far as where you go, right? Yeah. You have to think about all of those things when you're traveling. And I, I thought, and you have kids you're responsible for, and that's another biggie, like as far as risk taking and calculating, like just how far you're going to push. Mm -hmm. um, I know like dads are notorious for going too far and winding up in all kinds of problems. Um, and so anyway, I just thought that was really wise what you did. So why did I give myself a three? Let's start with not fully understanding my own mode of transportation well enough to plan a route effectively. So remember my original destination, the purpose for my trip in part was to get to Overland Expo Pacific Northwest. So I, I basically, I bought a moto ticket. I was like, how cool to ride my bike out there, meet and greet with people as a podcast host or all kinds of people I love to talk to. Uh, camp in the moto area. I checked in with Eva Rupert. She was super stoked. She's like, oh, great. I'm so glad you're coming. And, uh, and so I, I, I kind of had this, that, that was going to be the beginning of my trip. Um, and I did a lot three days to ride out there, which I think would have, should have been plenty. How many uh, miles did you plan on? Was that to get from don't even Bozeman? Oh, you I don't even know. That's why I three. Did uh -huh. I, did I get on Google maps uh -huh. and did I get on Rever or all these other platforms and like, just sit down at my computer for a few hours to really figure through a route? No, I didn't. Uh -huh. Um, am I learning how to do that? Like this morning that I spent half the day working with those platforms? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, and I think if you had had more time, if you didn't have an actual, like a, you had a destination with a date attached to it. I if did. you have more time, like that, you can be flexible and you can think, I'm not going to go any further today, or I want to go a little farther today. Um, and you don't have to know how many miles are between you and the next gas station. <laughs> and I, and, and I, and I totally found out, right? Like I have a, I, I have what I would call a, a, a small, big adventure bike, like a, a large midsize and that it's a KTM 1090. So it's not like one of the seven, 800 class bikes, and it's not one of the 12 to 1250 class bikes. It's in the middle and it's a great all around bike, but it is not the kind of bike you want to get on the interstate and just make miles on like a, like a BMW. I think if a Beamer, I think you're more capable of doing that. Not that I would ever want to do that though. That's the other thing, like on a motorcycle or even on a truck, like yeah. the interstate thing, I'd rather avoid it. But I also realize that, uh, in route planning and navigating, like you may have to, in order to be at this place at such and such a time. You're going to have to be on the interstate or you're going to have to give yourself more days. And yes. so fundamentally, and I would add, this is a navigation piece, but this is also, if you're going to take a big trip, the further in advance you can start working on it. So all of 
your house chores, tasks, things that need to get done before you leave are all buttoned up like mm -hmm. a week before you're ready to go. Yeah. As opposed to like in my case, it was, oh man, the, you know, the sun just came out. We're in full Montana summer. I need to get the sprinkler set up, blah, blah, blah. So I lost a whole day of travel that I was still like, oh, I can probably do it in two days. A day and a half into it, it was like, there is- I no haven't way. gone very far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, if I were in my Ram, I would have hit the interstate and just plowed, right? Yeah. But on yeah. a bike, um, I've just found, for me, yeah. that was, um, I wouldn't say impossible, but really dangerous. No, but I think this is, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is this is a repeating theme here as safety and knowing what your vehicle is capable of, what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, from speed to to location, like you, you have to you have to take those things to cons into consideration. And and I know I'm guilty of this too. But getting on the Instagram, the the Instagram, I feel like that's a dorky way to say that. Getting on the gram <laughs> and like watching what people are doing um, makes me feel like, well, shoot, like if they can go down to Baja, I should be able to go down to Baja. And it's not. I'm not saying that I can't, but like let's start somewhere. Let's start smaller. Yeah. Um, totally. And, and you know what? And next year, yeah, maybe I am ready for this Alaska trip that we've had planned for a long time. And I feel better about this idea of like, my days don't have to be so long. And, you know, we will be in a tundra. Like we could hit the interstate at any point and get to where we're going. And that's that's comfortable to know. Um, and on, on the motorcycle, I think you have to have like, the opposite mindset of saying like, am I going to be okay for one more night without going to town? Um, you know, I don't have enough energy um yeah. Or I I haven't I haven't navigated well enough to know like where I'm going. Um, you know, four hours on the motorcycle, it's it's exhausting on your body, it's exhausting on your navigational brain while you're trying to ride and yeah. figure out where you're going and not miss a turn. Um, so it's just you just have to give yourself the grace to say like I'm either going to go further today than I thought, or maybe I'm not going to go as far. Um, yeah. so my you know my parents I don't know if anybody's learned about this, but there's there's a thing called the Great Loop, America's Great Loop. And um, it's an intercoastal, this is totally an aside. So it's an intercoastal waterway that goes um, basically around the tip of Florida and up the eastern seaboard um, into the Great Lakes and then flows through like the, I mean, I don't know, the Midwest or whatever, back down to the Gulf of Mexico. My parents really want to do this. And so I was like, Dad, you know, like, so what do you- on the Mississippi, I guess. Yeah. A part of the Mississippi, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. Um, my dad was like, you know, that like I, I asked him like, what do you, um, what's your plan for this? He goes, oh, you can't have a plan. If you're going to do this trip, you cannot have a plan. You just, just have to know big. it's just too big. Yeah, exactly. Like you need to know what your boat is capable of, what bridges you're going to fit under, how much your fuel capacity is. But ultimately, like not having a plan is the best way to go around it. And I, I, I have to think that anybody that is overlanding for a long period of time, you know, talking six months, a year, sometimes you can only think one day, two days, a week in advance. But like trying to um, nail down, like I wanted an Excel spreadsheet with every single gas station between here and Montana so that I would know where I was going. And that's, it's just not realistic. It's just not. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe there's just some like happy middle way because, uh, <laughs> you know, as I have now been working a lot harder on using the navigation tools available to me and, you know, rethinking how I plan things. Mm -hmm. Um it, it, this, the conversation was with Sterling Noreen was so helpful because uh, he's, you know, the way he thinks about this stuff is, is really helpful. And I, um, 
you know, I got realizing that it's like you can you can micromanage your route like uh, with technology ahead of time, you know, and just have totally. everything. But then part of me likes, okay, so then it becomes more of a personal preference. Like, it, but is that how you want to go about traveling? Or would you rather have more of an open mind um, and just kind of, you know, see how things happen or have a plan, but then be flexible, be willing to change right. things? I'm, this kind of like the the kitchen galley, right? Like what kind of galley do you want to have and why? Are you Courtney and Riley and you want to ski so you in mountain bike so you cut room out of your kitchen galley to fit yeah, a mountain bike? Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or do you want to eat a gourmet meal every night in camp? And so, yeah. you know, you're Limburg putting that together. And I think maybe navigation is kind of the same way. Like what approach do you want to take and how does that affect how you travel? All that stuff I think is worth being mindful of. Oh, totally. And I think that like it boils down to how much time you have in a day. And sometimes like like you're going to run out of time. Either you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to camp or or you're going to run out of time to cook that gourmet meal. Um, and it's those are just all the things that go through, at least went through my mind on this trip um, every day that I was trying to find, you know, a safe spot to camp. Um, yeah. You know, I just had another thought too, like, I think to have an enjoyable experience like this, especially if you have kids. And I feel like maybe we haven't talked about traveling with kids enough. Um, I could definitely to, speak to that. So, yeah, you know, from at least like my, my kids are, are yeah, my kids are little. Um, I have to lower my expectations. Like yeah. if I want to go, like, hey, this is going to be a six hour car ride day. And I'll tell you one thing we left, we went almost to the Canadian border on this trip. And, I literally was sitting in my friend's house thinking this is I've got three more days until I was planning on being home. And my first step in that navigation was to simply use Google Maps from from where I was to my house in Flagstaff. How how long will that take on the fastest roads possible? And it was 14 hours and 55 minutes. And I just, okay, my kids are little, like 14 hours and 55 minutes in the car, even if we only took the interstate, like wow divide that by three days and you're like i would i should have showed up here with no hair because i would have been pulling it out like it would have been yeah. crazy um so i think my my point is like you have to lower your expectations of your your travel companions <laughs> if you have a dog like your dog's not going to want to sit in the car for that long your kids aren't mm -hmm. going to want to sit in the car for that long um i wish we would have done those last three days over four days and uh and that was the other thing too so then that first stretch home for us you know, I, I was like, we're going to drive six hours. And we we did drive six hours. But just like you said, I looked at the map. I chose a smaller road instead of the interstate. And and then I thought, oh, I, got, I need to find a place to camp. So we're going to pull over. We're going to look at the map. We're going to figure out what's around here. Um, and at the end of the day, we had only covered four hours worth of travel instead of the six hours that I had intended and not nearly the miles that I thought we would cover. So then we were setting ourselves up for two very long days in our last mm. two days. Um, mm. And you just have to say, okay, this is what we're doing now. Like we we had a we had a hard stop on that day thirteen that we needed to be home. Yeah, yeah. And so and so there therein is like your yeah uh, you know your your failure in a navigation move that you know, you learn from, right? It's yeah. a, as far as like, at some point you're like, dang it, like we are going to have to make these miles and get home for a hard stop. 
Yeah. Um, and man, did I ever learn that the back roads, even if you think they're pretty nice and paved and too, it's like, they are not the interstate at all. Like, no, no I, going 80 <laughs> in Montana to get from point A to point B. And then all of a sudden we get into Idaho and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going 45 yeah. at best I know on, on a so-called thing. highway. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a big change for me. Like when I got to Idaho, all those two lane blacktops and, you know, that were 50, 55 and it was shocking. But yeah, like, I mean, that really uh, a takeaway navigation wise was just how much slower it is to be off the interstate, even if, you know, you're not doing any dirt roads at all and you're doing, you know, the two lane highways that kind of, you know, parallel, it's just I couldn't believe how much more time it was taking me. And so that was a navigation failure of just not understanding those things, right? I, stuff I had to learn. Um, and so- I think you did better than you you are giving yourself credit for. Well, let me give you, thank you. It's really nice of you to say that. Um, I got to have some, you know, it's nice okay, that so starting at three, I have plenty of ways to, to go forward. <laughs> so so since we're rating things now, um, yeah. what would you rate your packing? Like the yeah. things that you brought, what you I, used, I what totally did a rating on that. Okay. Um, I want to hear that. Okay. So I'm on a motorcycle, you know, but all these things are applicable to a vehicle. I mean, it, the motorcycle is just a microcosm of an overland four wheel overland vehicle, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I, and this would be looking at everything from clothing, um, you know, gear that I needed. So camping gear moto gear of different kinds um navigation weather what's that you got to think about the weather oh yeah you are exposed to the elements like that and i had spectacular weather the whole trip it it got hot we did i did have heat to battle but um you know not a lot of storms and rain and things like that even wind wasn't that bad um but yeah i i would say you know there uh, overall i think the score i gave myself on gear that this will make you happy. I, I was a seven. I, I was very pleased. I, I gave myself a seven on bike prep, like the, the bike, the build and how I had it set up for the trip. Uh, the bike did really well. I had no mechanical issues. Um, everything, you know, ran and functioned the way I was hoping it would function. So in turn, and I've been building that bike for about three years to be able to start doing this kind of thing. So bike build was a seven. Um, and, gear that I had selected for the trip. And that would include, I would say packing, right? Like all, all the stuff I had packed, I would also go with a seven there. Okay. So not, not overpacked, not underpacked. You didn't think, ah, dang, I wish I really brought, had brought that. Now I did get like three days in, I was considering stopping at a UPS and boxing up a bunch of stuff and sending it. Interesting. Yes. Because yeah. Right. I mean, and on the bike, it's like, you're just, it's like backpacking. So you're just constantly yeah. thinking weight in bulk, weight yeah. in bulk, right? Right. Um, but I I didn't. And I found that just about every single thing that I packed on the bike, by the end of the trip, mm-hmm. I had used it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, perfect packing. Uh, it, it, it felt really good. Like as I kept reaching into the panniers and it's like, oh, I need that thing now. Yeah. But I didn't send it back. Right. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I didn't use um, was my fly fishing equipment. Like I, I brought a pack fly rod and a little, you know, uh, fly fishing kit bag, right? With just some basic selection of flies, things like that. 
and I brought a portable grill that I could have set up in places. And so those two things, I got to thinking, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to leave those at home because really when I'm riding a motorcycle, it's all about the ride. I really don't have time to fish. I can find places to come back and fish later, but don't really have time to do that. Yeah. That really wasn't the point of this trip. It was to get somewhere. Exactly. And now when I was talking with Sterling yesterday, right, he has like a seven tier approach to thinking about trips and adventures, everything from like a three hour ride to you're going around the world. And he had it so well thought out. And when he started talking about one month trips, like one to three month trips, even Mm -hmm. it was a whole different mindset shift, Leah, because I was like, oh, I could see why on that trip, I would want to pack my fly rod because I'm going to want to take a day or two off the bike yes, and just fish and have yep. something else to do. But yes. on a week-long trip, no. So right. it, it, a lot of this packing business is really relative to how long, what you're doing, what your right. priorities are. Mm-hmm. What would you give yourself? Oh, gosh. I think um, I'm going to go down to like a six on this one. I feel like we overpacked. Um it's great having the four wheel camper and then we have a full size tundra, um, tons of space, ample amounts of space, you know, two small kids. Um, we, I, a couple of things I think about food packing. Um, my original mentality going into that was, uh, so we don't have a fridge and we are, we are now after this trip, um, we have the power to do a fridge if we wanted to, but I was using a, a cooler and so I I did pack that really well for the first two or three days. I feel like we did a great job packing. We used everything that we, we ate, everything that we had. The kids were like dying for snacks that I didn't have. Um, I felt like that was, that was good. Um, I packed way too many cold weather clothes and uh, sleeping gear. I had so many blankets and pillows. Like I wanted to be comfortable. I was really worried about being cold. Um, part of so uh, more backstory on our trip too is so we had this four wheel camper and it is pretty much fully built out it's got a heater it has uh, power it has plenty of storage counter space sink etc um none of those things work because um i had to relearn how to run our electrical system over the course of the last year and what i thought i was doing was actually draining our battery anyway i i I did not know what I was doing. So I actually, part of my reasoning for this trip was to learn and have a friend, actually Ambition Strikes, Courtney and Riley Casey, um, their podcast episodes coming out here shortly, but they are good friends of mine. And so I was like, we're getting to their house. We're going to dry camp from here to there. And um, he'll help me learn these things. So anyway, that's a long story. But my point is, I was really worried about being cold. I have been through Utah in the middle of July and had snow and rain and hail and temperatures drop into the thirties and forties. And I was like, we're not going to be cold on this trip. Like we our heater doesn't work, but we're not going to be cold. And so my, my dang kids had snow boots. And, I mean, well, they had extra tough boots, but, but not you are heading to Montana. I know. And I've I was like, I thought for sure. Montana totally every month snow. of the year. Absolutely. It totally yeah. could, um, But especially in the high country. Yes. <laughs> In the camper, it got a little bit cramped. I had I had like made myself a hanging, um, like storage for jackets, and I had like like I get cold all the time. I'm always cold. Um, I had, like puffy coats and rain jackets and a vest and like all these extra things. And then um, I'm at the age where I, I don't sleep without a full size pillow, unless I really have to. Like if I'm backpacking, so we had two full size pillows, which 
don't fit in the four-wheel camper when the four-wheel camper is closed. So then you're moving those around all the time. Right. Um, and I was, I don't know, two weeks worth of kids clothing and laundry. And I don't know if you know this, but six, seven-year-olds and four-year-olds can be very dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I was like, we got to have all these extras just in case, you know, potty accidents, whatever. But we ended up having way too many clothes. Way too many clothes. I didn't have to do laundry the whole time. It was totally fine. Um, we could have worn clean clothes almost every single day. And you start adding up, like, clothes are heavy. I would say, you know, being that you're heading to Montana, you can, if you're going to make an error on packing, at least this is what's bouncing around in my mind, right? Like, better to have more warm layers than you need, right? Totally. Than not enough, just because, I mean, that old adage, you can always take a layer off and cool right. down, but yeah. Um, and to the point, I, I, on the other hand, being on the bike, tried to go light here and knowing that still it can get really cold. Um, but my bag, I couldn't believe this. My bag is rated comfort rating of 25 degrees. That's like okay. my summer bag. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're on the bike, you're in a tent. So there is no heaters, none of that. Um, but when I camped outside of Stanley, I was like mm-hmm. in the foothills of the mountains out there and Stanley's pretty dang high. It's like close to 7,000 feet. I want to okay. say, mm-hmm. um, that for or it wasn't my first night, but it was like second or third night. It got so cold that night. I think it got into the low twenties. I woke oh, up wow. and there was a thick, hard frost on all of my gear. And I was cold overnight. Like even that yeah. 25 degree bag and wishing like there's, a, I have a little bag liner I can pack. That's mm-hmm. very light and doesn't really take up any space, yeah. but it warms you up by like 10 to 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. If I'd I had swear that, by those. I would have slept. <laughs> yes much, much better yes i never leave i like we go backpacking i do not go without that because i am always cold yeah and i Me love too. the bag liners they're great yeah, that, that thing just it, it's so helpful for warming things up mm-hmm. and yeah and uh i think yeah just having that extra stuff along to stay warm is a good call when you're going to somewhere like montana especially with kids i totally don't blame you just like you never want them to be cold oh, like or what in yeah keep just we'll just bring it all it's fine now, here's a piece of gear that I really questioned bringing, and then it ended up being one of my favorite pieces of kit. It's a little bulky. It's a little heavy. I mean, not ridiculously so, but on the bike, right? You're looking at everything. Uh, but that is the bear fence, electric bear fence. Oh, I saw you post about that on your Instagram, and I was curious. Oh, man. I, I learned to use that river camping in some areas that have a lot of grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. Um and I have gradually adopted it for riding my motorcycle. And I've gotten it down now to where I can set it up in about 20 minutes. And I put my bike within it. It's a very large space. It's like 40 or 60 feet by 60 feet if you open it up all the way. Okay. And um, it's, you know, so it's big enough. I can get my motorcycle in there, my tent. I can sit in there and mm-hmm. just get some gear that I don't want to get messed with. I think it's still smart to do a bear hang for your food a hundred yards away from your camp. Mm-hmm. But at night, whether it's a bear, a moose, an elk, um, you know, I was camping in wool and in, in country with a lot of wolves uh, in Idaho. You just, nothing's just going to come wandering through your camp and mess around with your tent or your bike or your gear. Okay. And God forbid a grizzly bear come into your tent. Totally. But the peace of mind, Leah, like that thing gave me, it was like, yeah, that is worth packing for me. It's great. I love yeah. that. There's nothing worse than like sleeping outside and just having one eye open all night thinking like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going to happen here. Even if it's something 
totally unrelated. Like you, you couldn't stop a bear even if you wanted to, right? Like yeah, at, yeah. Grizzlies coming into your tent. You have a yeah, few tools coming. at your disposal, but it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, you don't want that. You just don't want that, right? You no. know, no matter what. So right. if they come sniffing around, they get a shock on the nose and run off into the woods. I never even know they were there. Sounds okay. good to me. Totally. Yeah. Um, but, I think that I think for me the safety came from just having the four wheel camper. Um, you know, we basically had hard walls around us, and um, there was a couple nights where it was hot enough that I wanted to sleep with the door open, with the screen door open, and um, I, I just didn't. I was a little nervous. I usually we have a dog um who would like alert us to anything like that, and I didn't have him on this trip. Um, so I found myself just closing the door and locking it just as just for that added layer of protection. You bet. I mean, not that the bear's not going to climb through our hint-sided four-wheel camper, but you never know. I haven't read any reports of that yet, but I, I mean, theoretically, it's possible. But it I definitely, I feel a lot safer when I'm up in my four-wheel camper too, exactly. whether I'm correct or incorrect. In my exactly. Opinion. So, what would be one thing like you know, the bear fence for me was one of those questionable things at first to pack. Um, but by the end of the trip, I was like, if I know I'm going to be anywhere where there's bear country, and I'll say this too, that fence on a motorcycle, especially is great when you wind up surrounded by cattle and open range. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that. They will come. Yeah. They'll come in. Bear coming. Yeah. They will wreck your tent. Like, especially if you would go for a hike or something and they get curious, you come back. I've had it happen and your tent's just wow. That's funny. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's good. So what was a That's piece sick. of kit for you that was just like, yes, you know, I, I'm not leaving home without this. Or maybe it was questionable at first, but in the end, you were like, I love this. Totally. Um, That's a great question. I, I kind of like you, like we, I, like we used just about everything that we brought and the, other than like too much bedding, too many blankets, too much, too many, too much. I mean, I was worried about like being, I want to look cute on this trip because I'm going to see people and we're, we're not going far from town. I brought too many clothes. Too many shoes. Um, well, and all the overlanders we see who are influencers look. I know you're like, well, you have practice. your makeup done every day. I was like, I, I apparently I can't go on this trip without putting makeup on. <laughs> um, honestly, like like a, a gear wise, we used just about everything. And I will say, like I, so going back to the like the podcast that influenced us right as we left for this trip, we had gone dirt and, and then ambition strikes, and they both yep. were talking about cooking on the road. Um, I, ori- I originally went into this trip going, I am not cooking. Like, that is one thing that I am not going to worry about. I'm not even going to bring the camp stove. I don't even know how to use the camp stove. Um, I Like, we're just going to stop in town. We're going to pick up dinner every day. It'll be fine. And then after the two podcasts, I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna teach myself how to turn, like, put, put the camp stove together, figure this out. So the day before we left on that trip, I, I found the camp stove. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I know where the propane tank is. I'm going to go get that. Grabbed it. Not the right propane tank. All right. Crud. Going to have to think about this some more. And and again, so my situation is unique in the sense that, like, you know, Sam had our systems in place. And he had, like, he was in charge of those things. He was in charge of cooking yeah. and gear. And I probably did all. Yeah, absolutely. I probably would have done all the grocery shopping and the meal planning and the meal prep. But, um, like, I've never turned on our camp stove before. How silly is that? maybe it's not silly it just is what it is and so i yeah, did it in the way stuff we were talking about it yeah absolutely so and i had to think about like okay so if it's not the little green propane tank it must be a normal propane tank and i was like okay and on top of all of this we just moved to a new house so our our life and our gear is kind of in disarray 
And I just remember thinking like, I can picture where that dang propane tank is in the pile of the stuff that should be in the garage and I'm going to need to go find that. So I found it. And then I thought, I don't know how to connect the two. I don't know how to take this propane tank and connect it to the, it is a, my brain was mush by the time we got onto this anyway. So I'm packing the camper, putting our clothes in there, making it cleaning up, getting ready to go. And I see this um, propane adapter and I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that's what I'm missing. Or I, I, I realize that's what I'm missing. Um, so I taught myself how to use that. And, and that was something that I definitely did not have to use on this trip, but I forced myself to do. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. And so we ended up um, grocery shopping like three times, I think, throughout the, thir- you know, the 13 days. And I would buy just enough to make one meal in a one pot. And, and that was a good challenge. Um, you know, something, so for the majority of the trip, we did not have a running sink. I have a sink. I have the ability to carry five gallons of water and with no electricity, I couldn't run the sink. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do dishes. So our dish cleaning setup was definitely lacking. We were eating on like, you know, camping clean <laughs> dishes for right. the whole trip. Uh, right. Which according to Carissa and Lindbergh, that's, that's okay. It is okay. We can do So, <laughs> yeah. And I think, so, so those were, so that was definitely, and that like, we have a, trying to think of the brand of that camp stove it's the um it's not like a coleman one it's the one that's made in idaho oh is it the um oh yeah no 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 i think that's the one that's real popular with whitewater enthusiasts. totally it is mm-hmm. it's a um, cook partner i think yes exactly that's the one An awesome awesome it stove is. but kind of intimidating to use for the first yeah. time for the with first the time. propane attachments and everything yeah. it's it's not cool. like just something you go down and buy at sportsman's warehouse or you yeah. know and boom, yeah. it's ready to go. Oh, and then like, of course, I have like a great table for it. Um, I think it's the Easy On brand or something like that. Um, whatever. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, I have a table. I've got this propane stove. Like, we're gonna, we are going to be Carissa and Lindbergh. We're gonna cook, and it's gonna be yeah, fantastic. man. Get that fish and, sauce uh, out. I get everything set up on the the very first night. Like, you know, we found this beautiful campground. I'm so excited. I crack my hard seltzer, and uh, the wind blows, and the whole setup blows over. <laughs> No place. Cool, cool. It's oh, fine. Man. It's fine. Just okay. put it together. This brings so. up a couple of thoughts for me. One, one is like just to to clear, to confirm here. Did I hear you say that you you did not pre-run with this stove at home first? Like this was no, something I, that you learned to do on the in the field. I, I I did set it up in the driveway before we left. I oh, was okay. able to connect it all and get it turned on. And I, I was like, okay, yeah, I I'm amazing. This. I can do this. We can boil water. We're going to be great. <laughs> okay. And then you got it all set up and the wind came. And... Yeah. Because so, uh, I, I was wondering, like, was there anything in your kit that you had not done a pre-run with that you, you, you for whatever reason, you know, your life gets busy and all the things. It's like, you know better, but you wind up not doing it till you're out in the field like yeah this is, okay i need to unpackage this thing and read the directions even uh, though you're at camp that so so on it on it is probably the okay. one thing that i did so I, yep. and it really was that very first night um i had found this road and i had found the i knew from looking at a gazetteer that it was um not a major interstate and then i googled it so i actually I picked the road, you know, literally, uh, this is why I like gazetteers. You can tell the difference between a, a major interstate and then a smaller highway based on the thickness of the line. And, and then that's yeah. just a silly, you know, ma- a regular map reading uh, tool there. And um, so I pulled over 
like right where this intersection was and I, and I had good service and I, I Googled that the name of that road. I can't think of the name of it now. It's like, st- I don't know, whatever. Uh, so I Google it and um, ended up finding this great article on um, a utah.gov website that was like explained more about what this road looked like. And um, and then at that point, it, it occurred to me, I was like, I could just turn and go on this road. Like, I, I understand where it's going to go. I'm not going to make any wrong turns. I have onyx. It was like a light bulb went off in my brain. And um, so I, I taught myself literally in this parking lot how to um, download the map that I was going to need to get me from point A to point B so that if I ran out of service, I could still have that. Um, and then I, for the first time, I my, I have CarPlay in the in the Tundra and I have never used the Onyx feature before and I just clicked on it and my word, the Onyx display in CarPlay, like, so I have my phone on a magnetic mount, you know, so I can see it and then you have the, the Onyx display on the screen in the truck and uh, amazing. But the two compared to each other, they're, they're not the same. Like usually, you know, you have like the, I don't know, like the, the map on your phone looks identical to the map that's on the CarPlay and uh, it was fantastic. It was, it's like a bird's eye view, zoomed out. It's um, satellite images instead of like a paper, like a digital image. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is amazing. I could see trails coming off of the main road that I was driving on so that I knew like if I wanted to get off the main road to find a campsite, like I could see what was coming up ahead of me. It was beautiful. How I helpful. Oh man, that's such a great example of what I'm talking about too. I yeah. love how for you, it was a piece of technology, a piece of navigation yeah. technology. And just one that, you know, I mean, we do some partnering, I think, with Onyx. And mm-hmm. so we're Onyx, Onyx, Onyx. You know, it's all over the place. We talk about it and all the team members talk about it. It's like, whoa, okay, um, Onyx, out it comes. Let me try to use this thing, right? And yeah. and pull up the app and do this and that. And it sounds like, you know, you were able to get it figured out pretty well, you know, in the field to make it happen. And yeah, I mean, like, I know you even texted me today. You were like, I planned this route and here. Can you yeah. share it? Can you see it? And I think that that's one of the newer features of Onyx is being able to route plan and then share yeah. your route um, with a friend or whatever. And I didn't go to that extent. Um, but but being able to look at it um, on CarPlay was really, really cool and very helpful. And I wish I would have thought to do that ahead of time. Um, but I also feel like, you know, going back to our conversation earlier, when you ha- when you're playing this game of time management, through your day you don't really know where you're going to end up at night like it's hard to know where to look and and how much detail you want to get into before you like okay i've got four hours until it's going to be really dark like do i want to drive for an hour longer do i want to turn off the pavement here like so that was kind of the game that i was playing yep yep no that makes sense so do you want to know what my my piece of gear was yeah i do this is bad (laughs) this is really bad like you know one of those kind of embarrassing to say my tent. Oh no. Brand You're new tent this year. New tent this year. Okay. Right. Um and yeah. tent I'm really stoked about. Um, it is a big Agnes bike packing tent, two person bike packing tent. So it's made, you know, for cycle. If you're cycling, it's mm-hmm. really lightweight. Have, like the vestibule to put your bike inside. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or to put your gear. You can't get your okay. bike in there, but you can gotcha. get like, you know, helmet and and gear and a lot of motorcycle, adventure motorcyclists like them for that reason too. So okay. Kind of a crossover, whether you're a pedal cyclist or you're a motorcyclist, great tent for all those sure. needs. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, you know, ordered it with my REI discount, all that stuff, and got the tent. And 
never set it up before I left, like literally tags on it. Okay. Do I know better? Of course I know better. I've done podcasts about this, right? Oh, go backyard camping, set up your tent, da 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 I know so much better. And I've done that kind of thing before with other gear and other, you know, rigs, whatever. But with this case, I was like, nope, I'm going to have to learn this one in the field because, you know, just runs out of time. Yeah. Got to go. Totally. And I was confident. I was like, you know, everything I think is there. And I bought the footprint and I should be okay. But on a scale of zero through 10, first night with the tent, I'd give myself a one just because I did get it set up. Okay. Whereas I have friends who have done the same thing and literally they're sleeping on the ground and the tail oh. in shambles. Well, that's so bad. So that would be a zero, right? A one yeah, is okay. you at least got it done. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's the good thing though, on our little sliding scale, by the end of the trip, by night six, I was at a seven, maybe even an yeah. eight. Because, right? Doing it, doing it, yeah. Breaking it, setting up, breaking it down every day. Sure. So, um, Thankfully, it turned out okay, but it was definitely the, you know, tag still on it, piece of gear that you're trying to figure out in the dark, in the field. There you go. I have a friend who has a, a, a rule for herself that she will she will allow herself to buy one piece of new gear for any trip that she goes on, and um, that's fun. which I, I admire. I think that's fine. That. I mean, we're yeah. always looking to upgrade or whatever. Um, for this specific trip, I told myself was we have everything we need. We will not be buying anything. Uh, and we did. We did great. Um well, that's a, I think a, a useful rule too. Like, I mean, or not rule, but just take on it. It's like, you know what? We don't need to buy. I'm going to use what I have. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. Um, I have a similar story though with the tent situation. Uh, some girlfriends and I did uh, Lee's Ferry, um, a backhaul to um, like Horseshoe Bend. I don't know if you guys are, if anyone's heard of that trip, but very fun. Is that Great. the Colorado? Yeah. It's the, yep, exactly. So Glen Canyon Dam, um, down, so Dam Down, sometimes they call it that, um, Anyway, so it's it's very mellow. It's great for one night. Um, you can rent a kayak, you can rent a paddleboard, you can bring your own. Um, but basically, you pay for a backhaul service, so a, a boat to pull you upstream, and then you get off and you pick a campsite. It's super fun. Um, I knew that I had this great four person Big Agnes tent, and I was like, I almost did exactly what you did and just threw it in. Um, you know, it was three of my girlfriends, and we could all sleep in this tent together. And luckily I did have this idea of like, I should probably set that up because it's been a while since we've used this. And um, I'm so glad I did because I, it took me a long time to like remind myself, like Big Agnes is great because usually they have the instructions printed on. Yeah, the, I um, noticed that. Yeah, like on, on the, the tent, itself, like on the water itself. material. Yeah. Didn't even look at it. So I'm putting this thing together in the backyard. And I'm like, this is really complicated. What the heck? And then also all the elastic inside the poles was completely shot. So oh. I was like, I didn't have time to reorder an elastic kit. And so I was like taking a little stick and shoving the elastic into the poles. And I was like, you know, it's one night. It'll work. It's fine. But like, I was really glad that I didn't get to, to camp that. that night to find that out. This uh, is reminding me of why like Josh Hull at Dark Horse doesn't like it when people show up having opened the box uh, of, for the modification. They're like, yeah. here, you know, I got it started. I started this project like, for you. Good. You can take it back now because we're pretty sure it's going to be missing a bolt or this or yeah. that. And important. so it's like with the brand spanking new tent, I was like, I'm, sh- I'm I got to rely on Big Agnes that what I need is in there, you know? Yeah. And I, I do love Big Agnes. Um, personally, as we're talking about brands of things, um, all of our sleeping bags are Big Agnes. And I absolutely love, love, love their sleeping pads and their sleep systems. And um, 
So my son sleeps um, on a hard surface inside of our four-wheel camper, and I use a big Agnes sleeping pad for him, and it's so comfortable and insulating. Um, and I love that their, their stuff sacks are not yeah. so small that you have to really fold things to shove them in. It's like my worst nightmare with the stuff sack is so tight that like if you don't fold things exactly right, you can't get it back in. I so, never I'm got gonna... my tent back into its original <laughs> case. Aww. They went into a separate dry bag. I'm like, no, that, no this, is, this, move, this is this We're done. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. And I'm yeah. thinking of like just some other like really winning pieces of gear from this trip that were new to me. Uh, one was uh, as a Christmas present last year, my wife got me a folding weatherproof solar panel. Twenty, I think it's a 28 watt solar panel. Uh-huh. And that one panel opened up every morning while I was having breakfast and breaking camp, was able to charge my helmet comms, my inReach, my phone, um, my portable charge pack, which I'd use to keep my phone going at night if I needed it. Uh, pretty much every piece of tech that I needed to get recharged. Like the solar was uh, that little thing. Amazing. I feel like um, that's an episode in and of itself is like battery management while you are on a bike. Yeah. Um, like things are so small and you can't just bring like a giant battery pack. Like th- th- that's a that's yeah. hundred amp hour lithium yeah. battery is not coming on. Right. Not coming. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. one full pannier. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing. And so, yeah, all those little rechargeable devices in a good solar panel. And of course, you know, being somewhere where there's plenty of sunshine, but like yeah. my headlamp was rechargeable for the first time. That was super cool. Um, and I have a, I tried a plasma lighter uh, that was, re- is rechargeable. That was super nice. So it was like my whole kit is just getting to be a rechargeable kit. And then the one solar panel just gotcha. makes it, makes it possible. That's awesome. So the reason that Sam and I bought this truck and the four wheel camper was for the purpose of going to Alaska. We were going to do uh, three months on the road. And um, like I said, over the course of the past year, there's been times when I was like, forget it, get in the car. Like we're going there. Like, what are we, what are we, what's stopping us? Um, so I, I do think, um, like that trip for me has to happen and I feel better about, about it after this trip than I have all year. Um, I feel like I, I don't like, I don't know, but part of, I, I knowing my husband, like he would have wanted to do that entire trip literally on back roads. Like we wouldn't have touched pavement except for to come into town to get gas. And, um, and I know now like that doesn't have to be the case for me. I don't have to do things the way that, you know, my favorite Instagrammers are doing them or the way that, um, you know, we originally had planned. Um, so like I'm, I feel more confident now going into planning that trip. And I also feel more confident knowing that I I don't have to plan every single detail of that trip, but I can start maybe a, a, a simple folder of, um, you know, campgrounds that look intriguing or, or, um, looking at routes that I feel safe and comfortable going down. Um, and then like, it never occurred to me to Google an actual road before. And I did that on this trip and I feel, what do you um, mean Google a road? Uh, oh, I like, I took the name of the road or the, like the highway, that dirt, like the original dirt road, the very first campsite of this trip. And it was like state highway two two forty three. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Called. Whatever. Um, and I literally just put it into Google. And, and it just found you to that. Mm-hmm. It, found, it was a state, a Utah state website that just had information on that road. Well, like, a quick Google tip too that I found out on this trip. Like one, like just Google Maps is a really useful tool that you can keep working with, right? Even for all the overlandy stuff. 
And uh, people on this trip were awesome traveling solo. And one of the, the really cool uh, individuals that I met was a young guy who humbled me. He, he uh, shared a camp not too far away from mine. And he was on a bicycle, like on a 10 speed. And he had started, I think, in Seattle, and we were outside of Dillon, Montana, and he was biking his way to Bozeman to see his girlfriend. Oh, uh, I love that. He was, <laughs> you could tell he had been doing it for, you know, weeks at that point, but, like, he showed me uh, through his cracked phone screen um, how, like, as a motorcyclist, if I just select the bicycle for, like, best way, that I'll probably get an awesome route of dirt and windy roads and less yeah. traffic. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Win. Yeah, for me, I just feel I just feel really confident now that like we could we could take off. I could I could find a a camp spot. You know, like we're gonna be we're gonna be okay. Like I feel confident that I have all the safety precautions and um tools to eat, to be sheltered, um, to be bear aware, um, all of those things that I I kinda questioned before we left on this trip. And that's like, I hear you saying like, that's giving you the confidence to plan the next trip and have it be a little bit bigger and a little more ambitious. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I I would totally relate to that. Like that's where, yeah, the takeaway from the last trip for me, um, is, is, you know, it's a confidence built builder. And, and when I really looked over the whole trip and, you know, and I realized, God, I was on, I like camping off of my bike for six nights and seven days wow, like that's, that's an achievement and learned a lot of things. And because of like what we're talking about, like having that, just being mindful of like, where are, are my skills on the scale and what kind of things do I need to work on now? It's like, I'm already working on some of those areas and improving. Mm-hmm. And I can see how like this navigation piece is, is going to be a big game changer because it's like, I broke the ice. I went on, tried a really ambitious trip realize that I need some more tools. And now, like even this morning doing all the the work and like learning how to use those tools, I, it was so empowering. Leah, I was like, Oh my God, like, wow, what a cool route I can create and right. know a lot more about it and the logistics and all those things. Yeah. So I think for me, and then hearing Sterling talk about it, the really long range goal, um, you know, this would be, you know, this is definitely a bigger goal. I'm not quite ready for this yet, but I would in the summer sometime out here in the Northern Rockies love to do a month on my motorcycle. There you go. And so like, I think that's a great goal. Yeah. It just feels right. You know, it's like I did the full week and learn a lot of things. And then Sterling was talking about these month long rides. I was like, you know, I think I could do that, but I'm going to need a destination. Like I'm going to want to get, I'm going to have to have some destinations there. I got to think through some of that. Yeah. Where do you want to go? I, I'm hearing like a um, a formula in my mind. And it's like a, you like you have a month. Like that's your, that's your, um, the, the piece of your trip that is going to stay um, permanent. Yes. Struggling, struggling yes. Towards here. Um, yeah. And then for me, like I, I think on this trip to Alaska, more the destination is more um, the piece that like I'm not, I don't, I don't want to compromise on that. And so therefore my time has to be more flexible. Um, like it may take me longer than right. I'm anticipating right. um, in order to get to the places that I want to go, especially when you're going somewhere further away um, and you're like, I- I'm not, I can't just come back to this some other time. Um, right. You know, if you're, if you're going to stay within your state, um, you know, you can say like, oh, that was really cool. I want to come back. And then instead of taking the back roads next time, I'm going to jet up the highway and go spend the weekend in this, you know? Um, so it's like, a, it's a time 
distance relationship that we're talking about here. Um, and I think that's something to consider when you're planning your adventures is, you know, how much time do you have? Is that a hard stop or can you add an extra week onto your trip? Um, yeah, for or, sure. I agree. Or are you like just going to cruise? Like I, I we've met people um, who were overlanding um, from Switzerland and they're over here in the U.S. And I had this great conversation with them about like, how do you know where you're going? And they were like, we really don't know where we're going. We're just kind of going whatever sounds good. Like the next day, like, you know, we don't really want to drive more than a couple hours. We're just cruising. We've got a few places in, in mind, but like you don't have to have an actual route planned. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, that's that difference too, between like kind of mission oriented overlanding where it's like, you know, I say I want to ride to Prudhoe Bay and back or something like that. Yeah. And that's my mission. And then I come back to my normal lifestyle. Right. But, and, and then there's lifestyle overlanding, which is I've sold my house. I've given up I'm my living. job. I am living full time yeah. overlanding. Yes. And that's just a whole different situation to be in, I think. Yeah. Well, and um, I think for many of us, those things vary from trip to trip. Like if a month long trip is essentially living in your vehicle or on your bike. And, and so you have to have some creature comforts that are um, different than if you're just going to go for the weekend. And, right, uh, right. you know, some of these trips also, I think like you want them to be a driving challenge. So you pick roads on Onyx or whatever tool you're using that are a challenge for your vehicle. And, and that is fun. And that is absolutely great but it's not necessarily the um it's not the same thing for everybody i knew on this trip that i couldn't risk a like a super intense trail on my in my truck that if it if something were to happen i couldn't fix um i was alone so um there will there will be a time and a place for that that trip yeah that makes sense like if it's a weekend adventure you're not too far from home and you're just trying to get to a cooler campsite that takes a little more four-wheeling yes but you know right. if all goes yeah. south your buddies aren't that far away you can get rescued you know that's very different from being you know from yes. arizona to alaska mm -hmm. exactly with your kids yeah yeah well cool um what a conversation i i hope we get to do this again super fun i think it's um it's just i, I hope this conversation inspires people to just take the next step you know for us it was i'm going to cook a little bit or i'm not going to cook at all or i'm going to use this new navigation tool or whatever it may be but like when you right. think about that next trip just add one more layer to it and challenge yourself to learn that thing um or go a little bit farther go one night longer whatever it may be i think yeah that's yeah, how you can start be baby steps you know totally. it's like you've said this a couple times i think it's so helpful just what what I'm going out to do doesn't have to be what, say, the influencers I follow do. It's just um, so hard to get out of that mindset when you were just, I don't know if you're like me, I'm just sitting up at night scrolling on my phone, which I would say is not a good habit. Try not to do that, but it happens. Um, right. And that is how you get drawn into it. One, it's inspiring, but two, it makes you um, compare what you're capable of to what someone else is capable of. And that's just not a fair game. Yeah, no, it's like, and it's such a challenge just to go out if you haven't done it before, just for a couple of nights camping out of your rig, let alone yeah. like going, spending a week traveling. So, yeah, you know, meet yourself where you're at and then push yourself a little bit farther, I think is the goal. Absolutely. Well, awesome, Leah. Uh, what a great conversation and I uh, hope we get to do it again and can't wait to be out on another adventure. Yeah, well, I'll just say um, a huge shout out and thank you to all the people that we've had on the X Overland podcast who I've listened to or had the opportunity to talk to um, 
who have been in- inspiring. And um, I feel very grateful to be here and, and just have these resources. I, I, I would say the exact same thing. Like I think of all the people that we've had on the podcast from, you know, Clay Croft to Eva Rupert and the, the list just goes on and on. All these super inspiring people who have inspired us and taught us, Absolutely. you know, to share their knowledge and skills. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you for doing what you do and keeping us all inspired. And I sure hope we inspired a few people today. Um, and until next time, get out, do some adventuring and we'll see you later. Absolutely. Talk soon. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps. The video version of this episode and of all episodes of the X Overland podcast are exclusively available at the X Overland Network. Head to xoverland.com to subscribe to the network and for access to all of X Overland's premium content. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous.